Hey everybody, it's Paul Fontaine alongside Ryan Frederick, and we're it's the latest episode of In the Clinch on the Fight Game Media Network. Uh, I want to thank you all for uh, listening and for subscribing. And if you haven't subscribed, please click that subscribe button, leave us a five star review, really helps us out. And uh, if you haven't already, please consider uh, signing up for our Patreon at uh, fightgamemedia.com backslash Patreon. Sorry, patreon.com backslash fightgamemedia. And uh, it helps support all of the great shows here on the free feed and the um, and the Patreon feed. And uh, I've got a show on there, and uh, uh, Ryan and I occasionally will do extra shows on there, but uh, it helps keep this thing going. So please consider that. But, uh, Ryan, we uh, got a busy show this week. Well, I mean, there's been busier, I guess, but uh, we uh, we got to talk about, and and it's, I'm glad you always uh, send me a rundown, uh, you know, earlier in the day. And the, the one thing that I actually was interested in is the thing you mentioned. And, and I think anybody that watched the pay-per-view probably is curious as well. And uh, it was uh, what uh, this announcement that uh, Dana White was talking about that he's going to make in Abu Dhabi. So tell us all about that or, or you know, the story anyways. I, I don't know what you know. but Okay, here's here's what I know. They're, they're going to – Dana has been working on some stuff. He mentioned like last year, even during the pan- pandemic, he'd been working on uh, – working with the Abu Dhabi government on some things, you know, and he was just waiting to the – time that he was going to announce it and when we were at the post-fight press conference uh saturday night he he brought it up said that you know when they get to abu dhabi he's going to make some announcements announcement about stuff this is all concerning abu dhabi and all that from what i know is it's more than likely they're going to extend their agreement to hold show hold a yearly event there uh very likely they're going to announce a performance institute there okay. uh because they really want to focus on getting getting people in that region in and plus a lot of fighters a lot of ufc fighters they go to dubai and abu dhabi to train so whenever they go there this gives them a place to go to as opposed you know as opposed to you know random gym and all that uh and there's been talk okay i'm trying to think of how to how to properly phrase this they've when the apex became a thing they were they were looking at doing something where they had had regional promotions that maybe mm-hmm. maybe were under the UFC banner, maybe weren't, but that that catered to like Asia. Like if you remember the Road to yeah. Asia thing thing they did for uh, mm-hmm. for uh, recently, they were trying to do stuff like that, but stuff that catered to specific markets. They might be doing something similar here in Abu Dhabi, like running shows, whether it's under the UFC banner or under. A different kind of banner, just local shows to well, help build. Well, they up have stars that in there. They have that ADW Abu Dhabi Warriors promotion that uh, you know has pretty high quality fighters on it. So maybe it could it yeah. be something like that where they would like either take that over or let them use the facility could, to do their shows and put it on be, fight could pass. Be, it could be, and it, it could be they want to just have their homegrown, homegrown, or yeah. it could be a situation where they do a yearly contender series, series Abu mm. Dhabi. I mean, originally we were supposed to have, you know, they did that contender series Brazil for a couple episodes, yep. episodes, and they were supposed to do a contender series Asia and all that. But then again, the pandemic happened and it kind of, yeah. kind of threw a wrench in a whole lot of, a lot of plans. But I think that's, that's pretty much the big thing going on. There's going to be okay. some kind of fight 
promotion kind of thing, I guess, going on down down there involving the UFC, you know, whether it's under UFC banner or under some something else, you know, container series banner or whatever. That's that's kind of what I have heard. But the big things are are, you know, announcing an, uh, an extended partnership with the Abu Dhabi government and and the Performance Institute there. So, okay, so that's, I mean, honestly, that's kind of what I was thinking it was going to be. And so I, I guess when we were going back and forth and I said, you know, I don't know how big of a deal it is. And you're like, well, it's a big deal. I guess in the sense that, I mean, we're probably talking about a lot of money, um, you know, yeah. like a lot, a lot of money. And then not only that, but I mean, they, knowing the way they do things, they're probably paying for this pc or pi um you know like so they're, they're gonna pay it and then give you get basically just give it to ufc um in in exchange for them developing fighters in the area so that's you know that's a huge um you know like thing for ufc it increases the company value it's yeah. it gives them a breeding ground for fighters it's and huge money like probably 50 million a show yeah. you would think yeah. right I couldn't tell you, but I mean, and there could even be more, more to this than what I even know. So yeah, so who knows? Who knows? But maybe that. more than one a year. Like I, I was thinking, one a year seems like you could almost do two. Um, you know, and I, I mean, I don't know about, especially if they're going to use the numbered pay per views. Um, I mean, I'm sure they'll do it if they pay. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. they really only need one. They really only need one paper one pay-per-view a year there, maybe one pay-per-view and one, one regular fight night, yeah. fight night show. But, uh, cause pay-per-views there's, they're starting to become limited. I mean, there's going to be, you yeah. know, we, I was kind of running it down with somebody. There's, there might come a time where these pay-per-views are in the same locations every single year. And, yeah. you know, well, you're, you're four in Vegas, you're one in Abu Dhabi, you're one in Madison square garden. Then you're going to have one or two, two in Texas every year and then probably one in Jacksonville that leaves only only three venues for for pay-per-views and that's that's unless that's if they don't have a deal for future pay-per-view events in Singapore it's going to come it's going to come yeah. a time where where literally like like if you're a city or an arena and you want a UFC pay-per-view you you're going to have to start you're yeah. going to have to bid for it yeah. yeah that's what it's getting to and and you know and then you can do your stadium shows. You can you can go to Melbourne. You can go to Toronto. You can go you know to um, you know New York, uh, Chicago. You know, yeah. Like and do and do these stadium shows. And then we're talking like I, big big money. I'll uh, I will say sit on that because Dana was asked about about the Cowboy Stadium and all that. And I yep. know Dana. If it was up to him, he doesn't want to do stadiums. He uh, he prefers oh. he prefers these big buildings. Let's see, fifty. 15,000 to 25,000. He just, okay. he doesn't like the stadium experience. He, he's, okay. and he said, uh, he said, uh, if anybody's listening in YouTube, Paul, if you want to go back and check out his, his post fight press conference from Saturday night. Yeah. He, he okay. brought that up. He just said he, he loves these buildings because he loves, he loves everybody being able to see the action and not having people sit up way up high and, you know, you can barely see anything and you're having to look at a, look at a screen the entire time. Um, well, yeah, and, and and also you have the you you also have the crowd it was like so hot, and and they're always hot. In oh, these, yeah, and and that doesn't carry as well in a stadium show. Always, sometimes it does, but usually, yeah. usually in a smaller building, you 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 really experience the crowd and the fighters feed off of it. Um, you know, and it also makes it a better show to watch. So, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and if they can do a four four point five million dollar gate every time they run an arena i mean and then 10 million for the you know for the vegas and and msg shows then yeah 
they don't even need to do stadiums. So, yeah. um, all right. So that's that. And, and we'll look forward to hearing, uh, hearing what they have to say. And we'll talk about your experience at UFC 277 in a bit, but, uh, first, uh, we did have the contender series and, uh, it was, uh, I mean, up until the main event, it was a pretty, uh, boring show to get through. Um, and, uh, I mean, I watched it, I can't remember. It was, I think maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday. And, you know, I didn't know what had happened or anything. And I'm watching these fights and I'm like, I don't know who they're going to give a contract to. I'm like, you know, we, we had Alessandro Costra got a win in the first fight. Dennis Bushka, uh, in the second fight, Anton Turk, Turkalje or Turkali in the third fight. And I was like, oh, maybe the last guy he was, you know, he looked pretty good and everything. And then the main event um tell us about what happened in the main event with joseph pfeiffer and ozzy diaz and then and then what happened afterwards well pfeiffer knocked him out and then the whole, yeah the only finish on this on the show i watched it live tuesday so i'm kind of forgetting exactly how how yeah, yeah. the how the fight ended because i had a busy weekend so so mm-hmm. anything that happened pre yeah, was pre-friday i'm kind ago. of forgetting <laughs> yeah yeah but uh yeah pfeiffer finished them and uh he was the only one to get a contract, which actually surprised me. It surprised mm-hmm. me a whole lot that he was the only one that got a contract. Well, and then Dana's speech. I mean, he basically yeah. just said, you know, like I'm watching these fights and I don't care what you did before you got here. I only care about what you do when you're here. And if you want to get a contract for the UFC, be Joe Pfeiffer. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. And then he just walked off. And then like the announcer, I can't remember her name. Uh, Laura Sanka. Sanka? Laura Sanka. Laura yeah. Sanka, yeah. She's, she's like, she, like Dana, like, who gets a contract? Like she had no idea. And is, is it only Pfeiffer? And like Dana must've said, yeah. And then he didn't even go back on camera. Like, that's it. That's all he said. Yeah. And, uh, and these three guys that all got wins are sitting in these chairs, like waiting. And yeah. uh, I don't think a couple of them uh, didn't speak English. So I don't even know if they knew what was going on, but yeah. um, Joe, you know, be Joe Pfeiffer. And then, you know, and that was trending. And, and if you watch the pay-per-view, they even Joe Pfeiffer was in the crowd and he got a nice pop and, they had on, on the graphic be joe pfeiffer um you know that's like if you know and then they even mentioned on the thing like so dana was just saying like you know if you want this contract you got to go for it just winning isn't enough you want you got to impress me and uh i thought that was a good message to send and maybe we're going to get some better fights i don't know like i if history's any indication we're probably going to see these guys in ufc you know like in the next six months to a year anyways but um you know this is this was a message that he sent and uh it was good and pfeiffer cut a great promo uh seems like a really really cool guy middleweight um you know he uh is a guy like you know he's he's made a name for himself and uh look forward to seeing what he does next yeah. Okay. So I'll say this much because I had a lot of th- a lot of thoughts. Whenever okay. I was thinking who was going to get contracts, I was thinking Bazooka and uh, Turkali were going to get them, and I was basing yeah. a lot based on how Dane has been the last two years. And I think the and I think the way that Dane has been been the last two years on the Contender Series and a lot of the criticism he's gotten over it, I think you know this was kind of like almost like maybe Dana's taking going back to the original approach of it and not, and not handing everybody a contract. When you look at, at the last two years, there were 76 contracts given out. And if you look at the names of the people who have gotten contracts, a lot of them, probably the majority of them have not panned out so far. They're just, you know, there's, there's been a couple guys, you know, who from the last few years who have done good, but the vast majority of people, I mean, there's there, I think I counted, there's already been, you know, double digits out of those 76 that aren't even on the roster 
here yeah here we are a year or two year or two later and you know they signed 76 over the first over the first three years plus the brazil shows they only gave 80 contracts out and then they wow. gave almost that many over the last last two years and and there was just i mean they they gave contracts to guys last year who weren't ready and some of they them, gave contract to guys that lost or well, one guy anyways yeah yeah <laughs> well that was a really good fight but then again candelario he hasn't won yet won yet in the ufc yeah. and neither has the guy who, who beat him but uh yeah but yeah i uh just, I, th- I think i think, I, think uh, I think just you know i think dana got the message that that you know all the criticism like you signed too many guys last couple of years who weren't re- who weren't ready and it's kind of fun funny you know the whole, de- the whole his demeanor at the end kind of showed that i mean usually he go he goes down the list of the winners and say yeah and tells you what you need to do but he seemed pissed and but i mean if uh i mean if this was a message that hey you know even winning a cl- even winning an exciting fight is not going to get you a contract you're going to need to finish and be impressive and it sets a good tone for the for the show and i really hope we get back to you know only a handful of guys signing because another big thing with all with signing all these guys is you're having to also let other veterans go that you might yeah. not might not want to and it's just mm-hmm. because you have too many fighters for not enough spots and a lot of you know you know and uh it's just i don't think the money is a factor factor and all that no know, it's it's the spots you just, have just hey let's hey let's cut this guy who who's making a bunch of money and replace him with a contender guy who who's you know not ready but we could pay like uh like i don't think that money is making that much of a difference over over quality of fighter so how many how many uh how many fighters approximately and and i know you don't probably have the exact number but you probably have a good idea how many fighters do they have under contract right now uh it's near 700 Okay. And they do roughly 600 fights a year. So right there, you literally don't have an, enough spots to give two fights a year to every single fighter. I mean, obviously there's injuries and, and, you know, time off and suspensions and whatnot, but if, yeah. you know, everybody was healthy, you can't give them two fights a year uh, because, you know, you're, you're doing a 42 events a year and about 14 events a card, which is uh, that works out to just under 600. Um, you know, obviously some fights have 15, but you never have more than 15 and oftentimes you have 13 or 12. So, um, yeah, I, you're right. Like they're just, it's not the money, it's the spots. I mean, if it's the money, yeah, you'd want the younger guys because they make less money, but, um, it's, it's the, it's the actual spots on the cart. There's a, there's roughly 593 fighters in the roster. There you go. So give or take some numbers. So, so. Yeah, so that's I mean, so that's probably about the amount of fights that you have in a year. So, you know, you have two fighters to make a fight. So, you know, literally two fights per person is the maximum you could give. And and obviously they want to try to give them three. Um, yeah. you know, and some fighters want to go four or five, but um, you know, put three or four is probably the ideal number. Three really. Two is you know what, you get rusty if you're only fighting twice a year, and then they're not making enough money either. So um, yeah, so we we got that, and then so we we have next week or this week, I guess uh, tomorrow as we're recording or today as you're listening, uh, looking at the list, and I see the one name that you know I've heard a lot of talk about is Billy Goff. Um, he uh, he's a fighter that you know he's seven and two, but he's got a nice little win streak going. He's fought in Bellator before and CES, which is on Fight Pass 
got a couple knockouts in a row actually on on there and uh that that's a guy that's the one name i recognize on this show um just one battle of undefeated fighters a couple guys that are five and oh fighting uh do you know anything about any of these other guys um looking up uh no no name that kind of stands out on me stands out to me but a lot of guys from sarah Matt sarah's team and i think from from uh uh you know oh yeah some there's some uh, there's some guys with a lot of good records on here. Yeah, on here. And there's everybody actually made another, weight. Everybody yeah. made weight. Everyone made so, weight. Okay. Yeah. Another name I thought looked familiar is Shannon Ross. Uh, nickname's yeah, Turkish a... Delight. He's from Australia, but he um, he fought on the uh, UAE Warrior Show. That's what I, I said. ADW. I meant UAE. Um, <laughs> that's that's the one earlier that I was saying that uh, they could take out. Um, he's a flyweight, and uh, he he's all he's got some wins over you know some names i know like he fought an acb which is a pretty high quality um uh show um promotion from uh, russia so yeah him and yeah but i mean you know we'll see what happens we'll see if the guys take dana's message to heart um and uh and try to uh try to impress him enough to get a contract um there's a heavyweight out there with a 6 and 0 record and he's got five four knockouts so um We'll see. We'll see how good how good he does. But yeah, that is the contender series. That's on ESPN Plus and TSN in Canada, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so you can check that out, and you can check it out on demand later. And uh, that's uh, that's. Oh yeah, and then uh, what? Are we gonna? Oh no, we'll we'll go over UFC 277, and then we can um, we can we can do the PFL after that. So as I mentioned earlier, you were there live. Uh, UFC 277 in Dallas, American Airlines Center. Two title fights, um, and it's funny. I got I got to tell this story. I get a uh, a text message from uh, our friend uh, Peach Machine before the fights. I haven't heard from him in a in a while, and he this is before the main card start, and he's like, "Give me some parlays, or you know, tell me who who I should pick. I want to do some gambling." And and uh, I'm like, "Okay." So I went to my ROI, and I gave him my ROI picks. He just wanted the top three fights, so I told him, "Go for the underdogs." There's value in the underdogs. And then I Whoops. said, and if you want, so that would be Lewis, Kaikar France, and Juliana Pena. And then I said, and uh, I said, if you want props, I said, the flyweight fight will probably go the distance, and the main event will probably end in the finish. So Whoops. literally every single thing I told him was wrong. But you know what? That's what you get for asking me and not you. Um, but the funny thing is, I look back at what I sent Garrett for the Fight Game Media panel, and and I actually had picked four of them right. <laughs> so he said, "Well, why didn't you send me that instead of giving me your shitty advice?" I'm like, "Well, yeah, sorry." Uh, but yeah, we uh, main event was uh, Amanda Nunez regained the uh, her bantamweight title. Uh, she just destroyed Juliana Pena. I mean, the fight was competitive as competitive as a well. Competitive is probably a strong word. Um, she stayed in it. She didn't give up. She was going for submissions the whole time. She l- literally left pieces of herself in the octagon. Um, and this was, you know, Amanda Nunez looked like she could have gotten another five rounds when it was over. And Juliana Pena looked like she, well, she needed plastic surgery when the fight was over. So um, she didn't. This actually. was a, oh, she didn't? That was a lie no. or a misinformation? No. Okay. No, they sent her to plastic surgeon, but she didn't need, she didn't need it. Okay. Well, I heard. Like she uh, literally a piece of her forehead was torn off. Is that not was that an exaggeration? I, I 
she, you were there. Or, or, she was bleeding yeah, like yeah. crazy though. Like she every time her head crazy. was on the mat, you there was like you could see the blood hanging off of the cage, off, yeah. the, off the links in the cage. Like like it was is is a is a mess. There was one spot where she where Nunez had a guillotine and uh, and she had Amanda or she had Juliana's head down towards a thing and they sh- they did a close up for a brief sec and you could see it was like a faucet the blood just pouring out of her yeah. like I don't know how much blood she lost but it was a lot um yeah that you were there you were you know you're closer than anybody but the referee um what did, what did you think it was just I mean. When I saw Amanda Nunez at the weigh-ins on Friday morning, I mean, I picked her. I picked her last week when we did the show, and I, and I had and I had felt like she was going to win. But when I saw her, she was in incredible shape. She was remarkably different than she looked looked in December. And I saw that, and I go like, she's not losing losing <laughs> this fight. And it's just, and yeah, say what you will, Pena beat her beat her in December, December. Yeah. December, like that's that's a, that's a win, that's a win. Yes, Nunez, Nunez was dealing with co- coming off of COVID, dealing with a knee injury that zapped her, that meant she couldn't couldn't do cardio, cardio, and you know, and she also was starting that new team and didn't really have a proper time with them with everything going on. I mean, those are those are all reasons why a man like the regular Amanda Nunez did not perform perform up to her best in, in December and Pena capitalized to her credit, to her credit. Mm-hmm. But, but when you break this down, I mean, nine times out of 10, Amanda Nunez is going to win this fight. And I did feel like looking at Pena during the week, I felt like there was a sense of overconfidence there and just, just, uh, just, you know, kind of, she almost was kind of dismissive of, of Amanda a lot during, a lot during the week, which is kind of, Really unfair because when you look at how that first fight went, I mean, you got to prove yourself. I mean, especially now that Amanda was a hundred percent percent, and just it was. I mean, Amanda Nunez is still the best female fighter in the world. I still think. Mm-hmm. I still think, and this is just this is just proved that she had a bad night in December, and it happens. People have fighters have bad nights every once in a while, and you know everybody's not. You know she's lost before. Lost before, and as good as some some fighters look, everybody can be vulnerable on on the wrong night. And she was in December, and she wasn't on Saturday night. It was just absolutely dominant. And Nunez could have finished her. And Nunez said after the fight that that she knows she could have finished her, but she wanted to beat her down for five rounds. <laughs> and she almost made some mistakes. In yeah. doing that, I mean, yeah, there was I mean, there's a couple of those uh, submissions that looked pretty tight. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched a replay. To me, they didn't look outside of that one arm bar. I think it was in the fourth or something. Yeah, yeah, something. like a I Kimura. Don't think, I don't think anything like, like I mean, a lot of them were like Omoplata setups, which Omoplata. I mean, it can happen, but we've rarely seen it happen. So it's very unlikely that that's going to happen and amanda's still a black belt on the ground Mm -hmm. ground Uh, she's just i mean she made some mistakes in probably toying too much in certain positions and pain almost their cost but i mean it's just it's just night and day the difference between the two two when both are i guess you know you can't say everybody's 100 percent, but if they were both 80 percent, it's you know night and day difference the the one thing that i thought was um 
was was interesting when they were on the feet um amanda clearly like was like two levels above her so every time uh, amanda went for a takedown like juliana she didn't even try to defend it like she it was all she was almost pulling guard like i don't want to say she was pulling guard but she was every time she'd go for a takedown she you know she'd just drop and she because i think she thought she had a better chance on her back yeah she would let it she would just let it happen just yeah yeah on the ground yeah yeah and and emmanuel amanda was totally fine doing that because she was slicing her up with the elbows and you know and yeah she was getting herself into a little bit of trouble but nothing like you said she's a black belt so nothing that she was terribly concerned about and then every once in a while she just lay loose and and let her go and when a man when juliana tried to get up like she she got up or you know i think maybe once or twice she got they, she got stood up but um it, yeah it was i mean it was really one-sided i think maybe the closest round was the first and it wasn't even all that close um what uh what did you score i had a 50 44 i gave a 10 8 second but I saw there was a 50-43 in there, and, you know, I don't have any problem with that. Like, you could have scored any one of those last four rounds of 10-8, you know, I thought. I, I had I had 50-44 as a 10-8 second, just like Yeah, that. I mean, three knockdowns in the second round, I mean, that's that's a 10-8. Like, the one judge that gave it 50-45, like, I don't know how. It, it's it's crazy that there was three knockdowns, but Pena actually landed landed more in the round than the new. Well, they showed the significant the, strikes, and again, the, I know sometimes they update the stats later, but they were actually even. The first two rounds were both even. I think it was like 11-11 and 18-18 or something. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, so something, and that's significant. So the total strikes, sometimes it's more, but... St- stats don't make fights no 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 exactly and then the 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 last three rounds i mean it was it was all nunez but i was surprised because they didn't show the strike stats until like the fifth round and i was surprised that the first two were as close as they were because like i said the 10-8 to me in the second was was just about the most obvious 10-8 you're gonna see um i mean if that was boxing i mean the fight's over um you know because the three knockdown rule and And it was uh, almost over it was almost over a, a couple of times too. Yeah, yeah. Well, make his man to just get backing up. It's like, get up. Let's do this again. Yeah. You know, I'll knock you down again. No problem. Um, she was so confident. Like, I, I mean, every round she was smiling, like coming out for the round. Like, you know, I, oh yeah, I get to beat her up again. Um, and then she was so happy after the fight. She said she wanted a beer. She took a beer from somebody, um, or somebody gave her a beer. I didn't say she didn't steal it. Um, she, I, they said on the broadcast that she wants to fight till she's forty which is like another six years. So, uh, you know, we're not even close to seeing the end. Although Rogan did mention like, you know, for her, like to just leave now on top with two belts would be like great, but no, she wants to keep fighting. And, uh, and that be good for her because I mean, she, you know, she's not even close to being done if, if this was any indication. And um, I don't even, I don't even know that any, there's no obvious fight at Bantamweight right now. Like they're talking about Valentina, um you know obviously if kayla harrison wants to come in and do 145 they can do that but i don't like who do you who do you go to at 135 like the the fight to make is is now's the time do nunez and valentina Valentina three there is no clear contender clear top contender in either division now yeah now you know with especially Misha tate losing losing at her 125 debut like there's there's nothing there's no clear you know, no. you know, get the get Nunez and Valentina together. Together. I mean, do you even need to do a title fight? Maybe ask them to. Maybe see if they'll do it at like one thirty or one thirty-two, two, and do do almost like a B, a women's BMF. Do we even need to put a bantamweight title on the line? It kind of be kind of be unfair for 
Nunez put one of her belts up, belts up kind of situation, kind of situation. But uh, but yeah. Well, I mean, I, she, I almost went like I don't know if she could get down to one twenty five, but that's where I no, think she like can't. I don't think she yeah can. that would that would be the good fight. Like you know them two at one twenty five, if she could get to one twenty five is is what would interest me. But even at one thirty five, like they fought twice. One was a split decision, and the first one, you know, Amanda won by decision, but that was the one where she had won the first two rounds, and Valentina, like, you know, dominated the third. And if it would have gone five, you know, most people think that she would have won. Um, and, so, and the second fight was super close; it could have gone either yeah, way. So, absolutely, but yeah. Now, now's the time because because when you kind of look at it, you cannot you cannot go straight to Nunez Pena three. It's no not. You couldn't after you can't after this, and and yeah, it's one one, but Pena or Nunez has won six of those six of the seven rounds, and she was completely and you can say she was completely dominant in a minimum of three of them of three of those yeah. rounds. Like it's not even yeah. not even close. Pena needs to fight somebody, somebody who you know Holly Holm or somebody get another yeah. win, maybe even two, and then and then a third Nunez fight. Would be good, but she's got to win. But, but whenever you look at Nunez, I mean, it's Ketlin Vieira, Irene Aldana, Raquel Pennington, and she's already beat once. Beat once. That's what's there. And for for uh, Shevchenko, yeah, the Tyler Santos rematch is there because people will be interested because Santos almost beat her. But then you got to wait on wait on. You know, is Manafiero going to get by? Chukagian and put herself in the in the mix is uh Alexa Grasso going to get get by Vivian Araju and put herself in the mix and if those two lose it's okay yeah. Santos and then waiting until people like Blanchfield or or Casey O'Neill are ready which could be a couple years down the line yeah. so I mean really right could, now right now is could, the right now is the time yeah yeah no I I agree and and I think that would be a big fight I mean as big as you're going to get for um for women right now um because this one um this show doesn't seem to have done a very very good pay-per-view number and early indications are um you know but uh, you know i think they were this is like the one time maybe of a year where wwe actually had more at least the same amount of interest maybe even slightly more um over ufc pay-per-view um you know with SummerSlam and big stadium show and everything um, we got the other title fight uh, again, the one that I said was going to go the distance. And I mean, it looked like it was gonna like the, the, the way it was shaping up first two rounds were extremely close between Brandon Moreno and Kaikar France. Like I, I chose, you know, I think like, you know, again, like I always say this with scoring, like if you gave one guy the first round, you're probably going to give the other guy the second round. Cause they're both so close. Um, and really like for either guy to have been ahead, 2018 would, would have been wrong. Um, after the you know after the first two rounds and then the third round, Kaikar France had a uh, he he got a nice shot that opened Brandon Moreno up early in the round and and he was you know he was winning the round uh, up until uh, the last minute when Brandon Moreno just started coming back and he nailed uh, Kaikar France with a with a liver kick and that was actually the story of the night. There was a few of those uh, on the show. And uh, this one uh, just, you know, Kaikar France just went down and that was it. Like, it was over. I mean, I think he landed a couple more shots. But uh, he he won the fight 434 of the third round, uh, won the interim flyweight title. Uh, Divison Figueredo was there, came into the cage. They had a face-off. Crowd, you know, picked their – they loved Moreno and they hated Figueredo. 
and uh, they did a little promo to set up a match. And uh, Figueredo's like, I fought you in your home country. I want you to come to Brazil and friend, whatever. I'll fight you wherever you want. Like, I just want to fight you. And I said, I respect you, but I want to fight you. And uh, and and it was really cool. Like, it was total babyface heel. Uh, and this crowd uh, was, I mean, they were, this was like a pro wrestling crowd. Like, they had their favorites and they had the people they didn't like. And they did no problem telling you who they were. And uh, I thought this was, uh, you know, first two rounds were not exactly what I was expecting. You know, I was hoping for a little bit more, but the third round was, was pretty good. And Brandon Moreno is just the best champion ever. Best baby face. Okay. I will rebut you on something. I had a 2018 okay. for Moreno. You did. After two, after you had two. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And See, the, and I and had, the, and the scorecards, there was one 2018 Moreno, one 2018 car of France and a 1919. So, Okay, well, there you go. And and the funny thing is, okay, so if I'm being honest, like I gave Kai Car France the first round, and I kind of thought he won the second round, but it was so close, I didn't want to say he was up 2018, so I I gave it to Moreno, which I know is not the way to score, but I would have been that judge that would have given 2018 Kai Car France. So it didn't matter, but... Brandon Moreno was the star of the show. This crowd was was heavily hispanic for one for one it was heavily hispanic but brandon marino they've got a star in him oh yeah and they could they could put him anywhere in texas arizona southern california they could put him anywhere in a headline spot in those in any of those highly hispanic markets and it'll sell out they've got a super they've got a superstar on their hand hands with them and figurado who uh you know, he didn't look like somebody who was ready to make 125 anytime soon. Um, yeah, Might not make uh, 145. <laughs> yeah, you know, Figueredo was calling for this fight for Brazil, for Brazil, and Moreno was like, you know, willing to oblige. But, but I'm sorry, Figueredo, you're not the a, you're not the a a side of this of this fight. It's it's Brandon Moreno's the a side of this fight. Fight they got a they they got something with him. He's just so damn likable. I read, yeah. I just uh we were uh at the at the weigh-ins Friday morning Friday morning there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a long kind of break and Moreno was doing his interview with uh, I guess he was doing it with with the uh, weigh-in crew weigh-in crew who were remote DC Laura Sanko all, all them I don't know but you could kind of just hear him talking and just the joy that that guy has it's like it's so infectious like anything mm. he does anything he does like like he comes off as somebody who you just want to root for root for and they've been looking for this mexican star they have it in him and they might have it in yair yair and i was running up a scenario where where like you could like if you want to i mean dallas is the biggest building is one of the biggest buildings in the the american airlines center it's one of the biggest buildings in uh you know for as far as you know how many people you can put in put into an NBA NHL size size arena you can you can get 20,000 people people in there and not a lot of arenas you can get that if they were to do Volkanovski Yair and uh Moreno and Figueredo on the same card and they could probably jack up ticket prices of that put it in Dallas and it'll do a massive gate like like 6 like, million you know, like it could do Vegas style kind of gate because because of just just how well you know 
Moreno and Yair connect with the Hispanic audience and how much, how much when you watch it were in, and was in that crowd, that crowd was enormous for Brandon Moreno, far more than anybody on the show, far more than Derek Lewis is a Texas boy. Uh, Pena at the Pena during, uh, before the show and during the video package, she was getting more of a reaction than Nunez was, but obviously at the end, Nunez was getting gigantic reactions, yeah. but nothing came close to Brandon Moreno. And this performance was just absolutely incredible. And he's the biggest baby face on the UFC ro- roster. And it's just, it's, he's, he's so much fun to, fun to watch. Uh, it's just, they got something with him. He's a star. I, I remember like I, I was uh, when, the, you know, the, the whole fight, like, you know, a couple of the guys in the undercard, you know, I think Michael Morales got, you know, got a decent pop and Anthony Smith, they really liked him. And, but when Derek Lewis came out, like, I mean, the pop was so much bigger than anything before it. But then, like you said, Brandon Moreno eclipsed that. So I think if you, and it sounds like to me, and I was going to ask you this, like if, if you, hindsight being 2020, if you were rebooking this card, would you put Moreno, Kai Car France on top? I mean, uh, (laughs) that's tough because Nunez and Pena, Pena, hey, it was a real title fight. And true, people were into it. People were into Mm -hmm. it. So I'm just saying, like, Moreno is, I think going forward, like, he can headline a show now. He can headline show those markets I said, whether it's Phoenix or it's, I mean, LA, San Diego, but but especially like like Texas, whether it's Dallas. Or Houston, because those are the two big buildings. He can headline those shows. It might not do much on pay per view, but it might. Who knows? Yeah. Nobody knows. But like, it doesn't matter, right? But it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They're, they're they're making they're making the money, and especially if you put a strong number two, strong number two with it, with it, yeah. it might not make a deal, make a deal. But I really think they can have he can headline show shows in like i said texas arizona southern southern california and you know i don't know about vegas i don't know um, vegas may be a little yeah. too far north but maybe not but uh but yeah they, and he's he, uh he's, he's with james kraus now right and it's james kraus's yeah. first first uh world champion yep. yep yeah so that was a good thing for him and he's one of the guys we've been calling one of the best coaches out there and, and now yeah, he's we'll got get, a world champion and we'll get more into him later i got something on him okay cool later um, all right, so um, the the next the next fight, uh, not much to say about it other than like Sergey Pavlovich knocked out Derek Lewis, fifty five seconds TKO, uh, kind of a early stoppage, kind of maybe even a bad stoppage. <laughs> I, I would take those kinds out and just say okay, early stoppage, bad stoppage. Yeah, and and even to the point where like you know I've heard some people review it and say, oh well he you know he was going to finish him like five or ten seconds later anyways. I don't know about that because I've seen Derek Lewis take worse beatings than this and come back and win. So I and he was you know he was on his way up when the fight was stopped. Yeah. So I you know and and Lewis was pissed off and I I got to say this about Pavlovich, as great of a baby face as Brandon Moreno was. <laughs> Sergey Pavlovich was a great heel because he was he was celebrating, he was like cheering, asking for booze and raising his hands, and I, he, you know, and and then you know he was like, yeah, I beat the guy, like you know, and he knows he lost or he knows he didn't win, but um, it, it was uh, he was a great heel, and uh, it's too bad Brandon Moreno was in two sixty five because uh, you know you'd love to see that fight. But uh, he, uh, you know what, he, you know, the, this crowd did not like the Russians. 
and uh, no, did not. It, no, and they both won, which is kind of good in a way, you know, like you know, because you kind of you kind of want that heat, and then it just makes <laughs> the heat for the babyface winning later even better. Uh, but yeah, this, so this was yeah, fifty five seconds, and the worst thing about especially Pavlovich getting booed is like. He did nothing wrong. He was just getting booed for the fact that he, he was from Russia and he was doing nothing wrong. And he was well, no, but after the fight, he was fight, yeah. he was bringing like he was he, he was played cultivating the booze. Yeah, he played yeah. into it. Yeah, he played he into knew. it. He knows yeah. what's going on. He needs a score. Yeah, and uh, Lewis was pissed off. Like I, I almost thought like I, I was worried actually that he was like going to quit. Like not you know quit UFC like just the the look on his face and he was pissed off and and I almost even think Mergliata kind of knew he fucked up <laughs> like you know I think when he watched the replay he's like God damn it <laughs> you know and Mergliata seems like the kind of guy that would probably admit it um, if if he did so uh, hopefully um, maybe they rebook it I don't know um, yeah there's been some yeah it's, there's been some calls to rebook it and uh, I will say one thing like. You can't face plant in a fight. That's no. gonna that's gonna that that's a bad thing. But some guy excuse me, I had to hiccup real quick. Uh some guys you gotta give the benefit of the doubt. And Derek Lewis is one of those guys you give the benefit of the doubt to and let him give him give him a give him two or three seconds to see what he's doing. And it was very clear when Dan was stepping in the start of that fight that Lewis had his hands on the ground pushing himself up. He was getting up. And yeah, yeah, it was it was bad. It was bad stoppage, stoppage. Would the would the fight outcome be any have been any different? Probably not, given the way the first minute went. But you got to give Derek yeah. the benefit of the doubt. And I would say it, it's easy to say we don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, probably yeah. If you had to put money on it, you would say yeah. You know. But we've also seen Derek Lewis in yep. situations like that. And he just comes out of nowhere and destroys his yeah. opponent. So, and all it takes is one shot from him, like literally one shot. And if if Pavlovich had got in there and, and Lewis is on his way back up, he could have hit him with an uppercut. And then all of a sudden, it's Pavlovich is on his back, you know. Like, yeah. um, and and that's the way this fight was going. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think this fight was lasting through more than three or four minutes either way. But there's no reason to believe that Lewis couldn't have knocked Pavlovich out if if he would have got yeah. to his feet. So. And and I think you rebook it because there's really nothing available for Pavlovich? No. I mean, I mean, the only guy who's not booked, who's ahead of him, would be Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades is not going to take that fight. He's or Stipe. Stipe is not going to take that fight. No. Neither one of those two are going to fight anybody below him. Below right. him. So maybe you give Pavlovich, you know, yep. uh, and Lewis a second go yeah, around. Yeah, just book it the next and time they're in Texas. By God. No, no. By God, take Derek Lewis out of Texas for a little bit. Oh, okay, okay. Well, they can just, they can just headline a fight night with it. Yeah, take it out of Texas for take it out of Texas for now. Like let okay. him. Uh, he needs. I mean, he, he's la- three of his last four fights have been in Texas. They've all been embarrassing losses. Now let him okay. let him get out of there and m- maybe get his mojo back. The one fight that wasn't there was the Dawkins fight in December, and that was in Vegas and. Look what he did there. So oh, there you go. Yeah, maybe so, less yeah, pressure. Just, just, just yeah, just yeah, less pressure. Something about right. him in Texas lately have just not been clicking. So, so get get him out of that zone for now. All right, we got another flyweight fight. Uh, Alessandra Pentoja and Alex Perez. They came out and they looked like they were going to have the fight of the year for the first 
40 seconds they were just swinging away at each other and then pantoja jumped on his jumped on perez's back and he started working for a choke and he got it he he was like raking his you know he's doing basically across his face for a while and he just he was not gonna let up and and he he got the he got the tap like 90 seconds in and uh pretty exciting 90 second fight um well probably half of that and then the, the other half was him working for the choke but uh he looked great he looked like he was ready to fight you know the winner of moreno and figueredo and uh or you know even could have stepped in if something had happened to kai car france on the way to the ring he could have stepped in and fought moreno um he you know clearly wants a title fight and has probably earned it and he couldn't look better yeah i mean that's if you're trying to fight to win, to get yourself a title shot, that's about as flawless of a performance as you can get right there. Just going through and running through another top top contender in 91 seconds. So it's just Pantoja. Uh, he's he's great and he deserves the title fight. And we'll see what happens with Marino Figueredo. I'm I'm not sold that Marino Figueredo fight for a fourth time. It's just me right no. now. I'm not. It's, I'm not sold that yeah. it's going to happen because because it just feels like Figueredo does not want that fight. He's trying to do anything he can to like not have that fight. Even well, yeah, like calling for it in Brazil, and then now, you know, now he's got his out. Where if Dana tries to book it somewhere else, he's going to say no, no. I said I want it in Brazil, and you know, and and then Dana's going to say he doesn't want to fight, and then he'll just book Pantoja and Moreno for the flyweight title, or maybe even strip him at some point. But, uh, yeah, that seems to be where it's going. Um, and the other main card fight we mentioned earlier, the Russians getting booed, and Megamed Ankalaev, who, you know, is a pretty likable guy normally, but they, he wasn't getting cheered in Texas. And uh, he beat Anthony Smith, 309 is the second round. Uh, Smith came out for the second round and clearly wasn't, there's something wrong with him. He just, just kept going to the ground, um, you know, and... Uh, afterwards he claimed that his uh he, he lost by tko ground and pound but he was claiming that his leg was broken like that's what he said in the cage but then it turned out later thank goodness it's not but you know clearly something but, wrong maybe twist uh, his ankle or something there's the update on that he did not fracture his leg but he fractured his ankle okay there you go so i i thought it was i thought like i've twisted my ankle before and that's what it looked like to me um and yeah. he fractured his ankle is even worse than fractures, what happened to me yeah fractured his ankle that yeah that just came out that came out probably about 30 minutes before we started recording. And that explains why he was able to kind of walk to the back with assistance because he didn't have to yeah. put much pressure on his ankle, but he wouldn't be able to do that with a broken leg. No. Um, so, yeah, so he lost. Uh, Ankoliev won. Ankoliev's 18-1, and one, and, and, of course, that one loss was to Paul Craig in the last second of a fight that he was probably up. Th- he was going to win He's like 30-26. And, uh, and then, like, he's 9-0, and oh, like, since then. So, um, like, Nobody's talking about this guy for a title shot, but I mean, he's probably pretty close to a title shot right now at 205. Like, you know, you yeah. could easily put him against Prashaska or I mean, sorry, um, uh, Blahovich, and then you know the winner maybe gets Prashaska. Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the way to go. But Uncle Live, he's kind of a lot like Islam, where uh, nobody wants impressive. to fight him. No, no, not not in that sense. Not in that sense. Okay, Islam in the sense that. They have impressive win streaks, but they're they're not exciting. Well, I mean just, the Kudalaba fights, the the uh, uh, Dolce Lagunula, uh, and then you say that, and then I'll give you the Tiago Santos fight. True, 
Which that, I mean, that fight. that killed him. That was that was awful. Yeah, that and that, I mean, that set him back. I mean, honestly, that would have been worse than just getting knocked out, like the, yeah. <laughs> in that, a way, you know. The the Vulcan Ozdemir fight wasn't all that exciting. The no, Kita Krylov fight was not all exciting. He hasn't had. He's had a, coming into this fight. He had a string of three straight decisions and nothing. I mean, impressive wins, but nothing that makes you want to clamber to see him fighting for a title as a as a fan. No, but so but that's... now when you but I gotta say when you when when you beat Anthony Smith in the second round, who's not a tough who's a tough guy to finish, and now you now you look and you see he's got nine straight wins. I mean, it's kind of hard to ignore that. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, the unfortunately he's gonna have to fight 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 again more than likely because we're going with we're going with Yuri and Glover too, and Dana he even this is Dana. Uh, again, again talking UFC 277 post fight press conference. He was talking about Yair, which we'll get into. But Dana is not a fan of guys waiting for title fights, okay. and he would much rather see see guys keep fighting if the champion's out or if a champion's booked. Booked. So Ankalaev, unfortunately, he's going to have to fight again, probably, probably. And if he and the right fight to make is him and Blakovich. And if he finishes Blakovich, then then he you've there's no question, no question then. All right. Uh, okay. So who are your three stars? Uh, number one, uh, number one is Brandon Marino. Of course. <laughs> is, yeah. And number and number two is Alexander Pantelia. Pantelia. Yeah. But uh, number three, I'm going to go with Drew Dober. That's a good pick. That fight with Rafael Alves. Was really, it was really fun, and Alves was cracking us up on media row that moment when he got when it looked like he got poked in the eye, and the doctor came to check on him, and he was you know he said he that he's good, and he gave the doc the doctor a hug, and then gave him a motion to get out of the octagon, and everybody was just going crazy during that, and then Dober Dober kind of rocked him a little bit, or made you think that he was rocked rocked. And then Alvis started doing a little dance. So Alvis, you know, he was pretty impressive. He looked good, but Dober, that liver punch, just uh, oh. absolutely brutal. And Alvis dropped, did that delayed drop, and it was it was a brutal finish. And Drew Dober is really good and one of the more underrated guys at lightweight. And he'd be he would be on on a decent run if he hadn't had fought Islam. Because he's won five out of his last seven with the loss to Islam, and then he lost to Brad Riddell in an incredible fight. But yeah, Drew Dover, man, that was impressive. You know, at some point, he's going to have to fight. I should say the other way around. Patty Pimblett is going to have to get through Drew Dover at some point, and I don't know if he's going to be able to. <laughs> That's going to be the test, you know. Um, I think. Oh, uh, if you put, if you not right now, next, no, no, no. I'm saying like a year no, from now. No. Yeah, a year from now. Like at some point, he has to get a fighter like that, yeah. and uh, and if he can't beat that guy, then he's he's not a future champion. So, I'm, um, uh, Drew Dober. Uh, speaking of Dober, who he's won the fight, he mentioned two names. One was Bobby Green which yeah. would be interesting. But the second name, and I don't disagree with this, and I could actually see this fight being made, Dober against Drew, uh, Jim Miller. Oh, there you go. What, uh, MSG? So, yeah. Somebody else uh, Somebody else call, had a call out, and I thought it was 155. Um, was it close? 
I was like, somebody asked for Ferguson. I think it was close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragger, Dragger, close call for yeah. Ferguson, and I think yeah. they were supposed to fight before. There's something there, something yeah. there, and they want to fight. So he wants to fight. Yeah. Him. All right, my three stars. I, I mean, I I can't even argue with yours, but uh, I'll just pick three different ones. Michael Morales, uh, third round uh, t- uh, KO uh, t- over Adam Fugit. This was a really good fight, uh, I thought, and Morales looked great and cut a really nice promo after. He's fourteen and zero now. Um, he's uh, was he from Spain um, or something like that? Or just, yeah. Ecuador, Ecuador. Sorry. Ecuador. Yeah, um, and yeah, I just noticed the flag was different in on the thing I'm looking for. My second star is uh, going to be uh, Nikolai Negamuranu, uh, second round TKO, standing TKO over Ihor Potieria. <laughs> oh God, I gotta work on these names. Um, uh, looked looked again, looked really good, uh, and uh, he's he's a guy from Romania. It's his fourth straight win, um, and uh, he's a guy to look out for. Uh, big. Uh, Big, big, big win for him. And then my third star, I got to go with Hamdi the Hammer. Uh, even though uh, he kind of gassed out a little bit, uh, he won a split decision over Dontel Mays. Uh, you know, this is only his fourth professional fight. They kept saying he'd had five fights previously, but I'm looking at his record as 4-0 right now. So whether it's four or six, I don't know. But he only turned pro like this year, and he's already got a win in the UFC. And he cut a pretty – so the crowd was booing him. At, before he started talking, and by the time he was finished, they were cheering him. So this guy's a baby face and just massive. Like, this guy was built for KSW. Like, I don't know how he's not fighting in KSW. Like, he should be fighting Marius uh, Pudianowski or whatever, how you pronounce that guy's name. Um, but uh, he's here in UFC, uh, first Egyptian fighter and first Egyptian to get a win in the octagon. And uh, he's a guy that I'm going to be real interested in for a while till he loses. Uh, so, yeah, those are my three stars. Uh, Morales, Nigmaranu, and uh, Hamdi the Hammer. Um, okay. So take us yeah, take us through these prelims. Okay. It uh, started with a what well, with what ended up being a catchweight fight because Orion Koske missed weight by a pound and a half. But he defeated Blood Diamond, unanimous decision, 29-28, across the board. Not much to talk about on this fight. Uh, Blood Diamond, I'm pretty sure I have bad, better ground. I'm positive I have better grappling than he does. And Paul, I don't think you've ever trained, but you probably have better grappling than he does. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I I think I do. And yeah. and I've also got uh, yeah, like forty pounds on him, so I think yeah. I could take him down. But uh, but yeah, but uh, yeah, but it was just yeah, Kosuke won. <laughs> Not much to write home about. And he apologized he had, after for missing weight. I thought was classy. Yeah. Uh, then you had Negromanu fishing Ihor Patera in the second round. Second round, good showing for Negromanu. Then we had another fight where a fighter missed weight and won. Jocelyn Edwards, split decision over GU on Kim. Uh, split it was decision. Not, split decision. <laughs> yeah, I had it 29-28 Edwards. There's a 29-28 scorecard for each and then a 30-27 for Edwards. I do think it was a clear 29-28 for Edwards. But, uh, yeah, it was... It was okay. Uh, Edwards was better on the feet, which was a difference. Um, then you had closing out the early prelims, uh, Michael Morales finishing Adam Fugit in the third round. Then uh, the main prelims, he started off a uh, Drekar close unanimous decision over Rafa Garcia in a close fight. Yeah. Uh, get it? <laughs> what? 
Oh, it wasn't Drakkar, close. Oh, Drakkar Drakkar close, yeah, won yeah. a close fight. Yeah. You know, and and uh, Rogan even did that in in the post fight interview, yeah. and I think it went completely over Drakkar's head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it was close one, but I mean, yeah. But it was 29 28, so you could call it a close fight. Close fight. But, uh, yeah. It was good. Close it win. Good. Close win for Drakkar. Close one for Jakar. It was it was good though. <laughs> then you had a Hamdi the Hammer split decision over Dontel Mays. Then you had Dober over Alves. I talked about. I, I don't know about a split decision <laughs> on that one either. Like there's a couple of these cards that were, you know, I mean it's Texas. Luckily, no bad decisions, but that was a bad okay. card. Here I got an interesting story about the Texas judging and all. okay. And all that, which I'll share after after, especially when it comes to prelims, and okay. then uh. Close out the prelims. Uh, Alex Morono, unanimous decision over Matthew Simmelsberger, 29 28 twice, and then 30 27. Morono won the first two rounds for sure. Simmelsberger's uh, eye was closed pretty much completely. The doctors checked him on him twice. They let him go on. And then he comes out to start the third round and hits a flying knee that drops Morono. Tried to finish, but he couldn't finish Morono. But he won the third round, but it wasn't enough because Morono won the first two. I don't know how somebody gave Morono the third, but that was it. So that ends the prelims. Then we went over the main card. Ankalaev over Smith, Pantoja over Perez, Pavlovich over Lewis, Moreno over Car France, and Nunez over Pena. <laughs> okay. So uh, so tell your judging story in a second. I just want to say there was uh, four performance bonuses, so no extra ones, just uh, 50 grand for Dober, 50 grand for Pantoja, and 50 grand for Moreno and Kaikar France for the best fight, which is not hard to argue. Uh, but you know, could have made a case for Nunez Pena as the best fight, honestly. But um, and uh, four point four five million dollar gate, nineteen thousand four hundred forty two fans at the American Airlines Center, and that did. Uh, we've talked whether or not this was going to actually sell out, and it did. So the consecutive sellout streak is still alive. And uh, is your your judging story? Is it going to be about the fact that Seth Fuller has never judged an MMA fight in his life, and he was judging on a UFC show here? No. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, real, real, yeah, you kind of broke up there for a second, but real quick on the attendance, the nineteen thousand four forty-two. That was the most most for a show headlined by a female fight in a, in the U.S. Because obviously you had Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey in the stadium in Australia, but this was the most headed by headlined by a female female fight in the U.S. And it's the second biggest gate for a female headlined fight card. So the, that's uh, what I said so. it was going to be. And then you told me it was going to be third, but I guess they sold a lot of tickets in the last couple of weeks. They, yeah. They sold it. It got there. So, but uh, anyway, on the judging thing, Texas did something interesting where all the prelims were judged by people who hadn't done UFC shows prior previously okay. to, to get these guys to get some of these, you know, judges that they some experience on a bigger show. The main card, the main card was was uh, judged by regulars. You know, Sal Diamato, Jacob Montavo, Douglas Crosby. All the main card fights fights were regulars, and but the but the prelims were you know a lot of tech mostly tech guys. Judges. Steve Armstrong has judged UFC before, but has, uh, not in a while. Not in, not in over four years. Yeah, I didn't. So, I didn't check. I didn't check anybody. Check everybody okay. out, but it was. But Fuller, mostly- Seth, Seth Fuller, has never judged a you never judged an MMA fight, 
according to MMA decisions. They don't. Yeah, except MMA decisions doesn't doesn't track like local and regional promotions. No. So, but, but I mean, never um, like never even Bellator, PFL, yeah. LFA. Um, you know, like so he's pretty inexperienced, and he was one. Yeah. He was the guy that scored that fight for Dontel Mays, which yeah. Questionable. Uh, uh, let me see. I don't even remember what I had that fight, but I think, but I think doing that was actually a really good idea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then it also I takes don't... away the uh, the likelihood of of a main card fight getting screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the Maze fight. I thought the Maze and Handy. I thought was close. So I'll put instead yeah. of my notes that I had it was close fight. You you know, judges aren't perfect, and the only way some of these guys are gonna figure it out sometimes is to get them experience on the, on these big shows. And I don't really think, yeah, maybe that one scorecard was questionable. Maybe there was a questionable scorecard in the Edwards Kim fight, but I don't think anything was bad. I think there was no, no. And and again, at least we didn't have judges say like, Hey, you fucked up and you had a bad scorecard. Like, like, you know, like there has been in moments in Texas, Texas where you could clearly point out a judge and say, yeah, that was horrible. So, and and again, and, and at least you didn't have uh you didn't have a situation where the wrong guy won. So yeah, that that was good. That um, was okay, so that that was UFC two seventy seven. Now, now real, oh. real quick, now real yep. quick, if any other states want to do this, I think a great idea would probably be take your you know inexperienced judge. Like there's a one of the judges on this on this card I know, and and our mutual friend Carla knows his name is Aaron Menard. This is the first time. He judges the UFC. Putting a guy like that again with like a with like judges who are experienced, experienced, you know, kind of like have a mixture of the two. I think going forward might be a good idea, even if it's on the yeah. even if it's on on the main card, you know, just just but but the only way we're going to get new judges and better judging is giving other guys chances. And I really wish that 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 there would be more than one ABC conference a year. And I really wish it wouldn't be in niagara falls that it'd be in a better location because i would love to go take take the actual abc judging and, and refing courses yeah. courses except that they always have it on a bad weekend in niagara falls put it somewhere put it i really think that should be something that's like on a that coincides with like a big ufc weekend weekend i should know? uh i mean i should be the winnipeg representative instead of jaron Vallel. um <laughs> you know um yeah and, and even when they do local shows here like i don't even yeah. know i think they bring in guys from somewhere else so they should they, you know they should do something here and then you know we can get i'm not saying i actually probably wouldn't even do it but there's got to be better people in jail I, mean, I would do it <laughs> yeah well i i would if i was single um it, it'd be too hard for me to get to these shows um you know with, with my family with your situation but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So we, we got uh, PFL coming up this week. They're back uh, Friday on ESPN. They're, they're on the main network, and they've actually got a big fight headlining the show, uh, relatively speaking. Anthony Pettis, um, in the, in, they're in the playoffs. So uh, Anthony Pettis is fighting Stevie Ray. I guess this is the uh, semifinals. And uh, they've also got Omar Akhmedov, a big name, former UFC fighter, uh, fighting undefeated Josh Silvera in, at light heavyweight. Olivier Aubin-Mercier, uh, another former UFC fighter, uh, fighting Alex Martinez. And uh, Olivier's got a little experience uh, with the MMA tournaments. He, he was in uh, finalist in uh, Tough, I believe, one year. And Rob Wilkinson, a uh, name I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, 
including I'm not even sure I remember him from this season. But no, yeah, no, he got to, he said he had a KO in the first round. He only fought once. That's what it was. He made it to the playoffs, even though he only fought once. And uh, yeah, he's fighting Alex Martinez or sorry, Delon Monte. I was looking at the wrong fight there. So um, yeah, that's going to be uh, Friday on ESPN in front of uh, literally hundreds of people. I'm sure on watching. Uh, and they're at the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden, which is kind of a cool venue. So, yeah. and uh, Pattison, Pattison Ray, they just fought June twenty fourth. So it's a rematch, a rematch, a quick turnaround. Uh, Ray won that fight with a modified twister. So Pattison yeah. gets his chance to uh, get revenge and make it to the finals. He made the playoffs this year after disappointing debut year with PFL last year. He's lost three of his four PFL fights, and he could be in the uh, finals of a million dollar tournament by beating a guy that just beat him uh, six, six, like two, whatever it was, a month ago. Um, I mean, six there's weeks been, ago. <laughs> there's been, there's been some changes to these playoffs where, yeah, I think like two, like in two of the weight classes, the the top seed has already fallen out due to injury or some issues. Yeah, so, well, I, I told you. I think that I, I, I don't know. This, I haven't looked, but. I, I, I got to think that that dude, Ray Cooper, that they said was out is probably going to win again. But um, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, this it's, is a, a, it's, a, it's a shit It's show. a good idea. It's a good idea, but it fails in execution. Well, it's hard. I mean, to do it's one hard. of these tournaments yeah, in yeah. – not to do one, to do six tournaments in a year. I mean, Bellator has a hard enough time doing one, uh, and they yeah. usually last longer than a year. So and you're trying to – and you're hoping these guys fight four times in a year, which is hard, which is hard yeah. too. So not even in a year because they started in March. Yeah, and they're March gonna finish December, in October. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, they're finishing in October. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're trying to get the guys to fight four four times in eight months. That's, this is that's like tough. the old the old Bellator tournaments yeah. uh that they used to do on Spike when they would do like the mini tournaments for a title shot. And uh, you know, but they would even then they would only do one at a time. So, or maybe two, I think they would have two at yeah. a time. And then, you know, you would fight to where like two months down the road, the winner would get a title shot. So anyways, that is back on ESPN on uh, Saturday, on Friday. And right. then of course the next night on uh, ESPN, it will be UFC fight night, uh, Santos versus Hill. This will be a, a later show, right? It's uh, the prelims are at, si- are at seven Eastern and then the main card at 10. Is that That's correct? Yeah. And this is at back, back of the apex are the bane of our existence. And uh, this is the, uh, the, the tough finals and as well as uh, Tiago Santos and Jamal Hill in the uh, main event, light heavyweight uh, contenders, uh, both top 10 guys. Uh, it's the biggest fight in the career of Jamal Hill. Tiago Santos is trying to get back into title contention. It's a big fight and a real big uh, welterweight fight in the co-main event as, as well. Um, it's a pretty good card. Actually, we, we, you know, I kind of shit on these cards a lot of weeks, but th- this is solid. This one, it's it's solid, solid. <laughs> Excuse me, solid. Yeah, top two fights are good, and the uh, both finals fights are interesting. Interesting. I think they have a shot with Juliana Miller at being a star, and and uh, of course, Mohammed Usman, Kamara's brother, brother. If he if he wins, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a name. Everybody watches just because of Kam- the Kamara thing. But Zach Pogba. He's he's got a good record and a good story. So, so yeah, some interesting fights on you know in the finals. Muhammad is actually a pretty decent sized underdog, which surprised me. Um, yeah, Zach Paga. I guess uh, people have been watching the fight because honestly, he's looked like he's looked every bit of I think what they probably wanted Muhammad to be. 
Yeah. Um, you know, he, he got a knockout in his last fight. But you know, he's you know, he's five and zero, oh, and four of those fights are four of those wins are by decision. And when guys are winning by when heavyweights are winning by decision on the regional scene, um, it doesn't really bode too well for I their think, UFC success. I think a lot of his regional fights have been at light heavyweight because he mainly fights okay. to light heavyweight. So you think maybe he's going to drop down when he when he? If yeah, he he'll probably. I think it, uh, regardless, because he'll because you, generally the person who loses in the finals gets at least one other fight. Okay. Fight, so so I expect him to. Yeah, you're right. Actually, heavyweight. I looked it up. I looked it up, and he's, uh, he's, he's, yeah, he's mainly he's always been fighting at light heavyweight, and uh, it's actually like the fighters that he's been fighting. Like normally, you you look at their their indie records or their regional records, and they're you know they're against guys that are like losing records, and every fighter that he's fought has had a winning record. Yeah. And uh, and in fact, the last fight he had before UFC was against Marcus Perez, yeah, yeah. who is a former UFC fighter. So. Um, and, and, he, and generally, guys on on the Ultimate Fighter show are fighting up a weight class because because yeah. it's because you're going to have to cut weight three times in six weeks. So so a guy who's normally fights at welterweight who balloons up to 195 in between fights, he really can't do that. So yeah, so they're so going fighting. they're going middleweight if they're on Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, yeah, and Usman is a real heavyweight, so you know that yeah. could play into it. That could play into it as well. Yeah. Like, and and again, it's why it kind of surprises me that that he is an underdog. So, um, but uh, yeah, the main event. Uh, tell us about uh, about Santos and Hill. Santos, uh, I mean, he hasn't looked the same since he since the knee injury in the John Jones fight. Fight. He's still he still seems gun shy on the feet, and he's lost. You know, if you include the Jones fight. He's lost four of his last five, but he's lost three, three of the four coming back. I mean, granted, it, excuse me, granted the losses came to Glover Teixeira, Alexander Rakic, and Magomed Ankalaev. But, uh, but yeah, and he's been gone the distance the last three fights, and they haven't necessarily been all, all uh, exciting. But Jamal Hill is an exciting fighter who looks to finish and looks to finish as quickly as possible. And this could be an explosive fight fight because the thing about Santos is he's been fighting patiently lately, but if you bring the fight to him, he's going to, he can still throw down. His recent opponents have been fighting tentatively and Jamal Hill is not going to fight tentatively. Jamal Hill is going to pressure and bring the fight, fight forward. So I actually do think this will be a lot more ex- Exciting than Santos's recent fights, and probably a pretty exciting fight overall. And I say that now, and watch it be the worst <laughs> fight of Jamal Hill's career. So, well, I mean, if if it goes to a decision, it would be the first time that happened in UFC. Or no, I guess his debut went to a decision, but um, he uh, his last five fights uh, have been all early finishes, and the one loss that he had to Paul Craig. I mean, he was winning that fight, and then he just got caught. You know, uh, he got caught in his oh, arm, and yeah. his arm went out of socket and was yeah was dangling. If you remember that, yep, yep, <laughs> remember no, that absolutely. Vision? But he was, I mean, he you know he was winning, and this is just like Paul Craig. He's like he pulls submissions out of his ass, and uh, you know, and, and in this case, he pulled uh, <laughs> Jamal Hill's arm out of his socket to get the submission. But I mean, he followed that up with two first round knockouts over you know pretty big names at, at light heavyweight, uh, Johnny Walker and Jimmy Crute. So um, that's uh, yeah, that 
that's that's a big fight. And then, of course, in the in the co-main, uh, Vincent Luque and uh, Jeff Neal, you know, is is a pretty big welterweight fight. Um, but uh, you know, I guess I don't want to spoil like your three fights to watch out for. So I assume that would have been one of them. Yeah, that was that was number one, Luque and Jeff Neal, uh, big fight for both guys. Luque Luque was on the cusp of a title fight. And then he lost to Bilal Muhammad in his last last fight. So this is a big fight to to see if he's going to be a contender or a gatekeeper. And Jeff Neal is a guy who I hyped up a lot. And uh, he was looking really good. And then he had that huge bout with sepsis that kept him in the hospital for, for some time. And he uh, it seemed like it's taken him a while to fully recover from that. He came back. Lost the decision to Stephen Thompson. Lost the decision to Neil Magny, which I mean, those are quality fighters. Those are top level welterweights. And then, but then, uh, Neil bounced back, split decision win over Santiago Ponzinibbio in his last fight. He looked, he looked as good as he did, but pre sepsis, all that and all that. So, uh, if he look, if he beats Luke, he's back there in that in that role of. Hey, this is a guy at welterweight we need to watch out for as being a, you know, possible future contender. So it's really a bit, uh, it's really a crossroads fight for both, both in my opinion, because the winner is going to keep themselves in that mix, and the loser just probably never going to get in that title picture. So big important fight for both. My second fight to watch uh, is a lightweight fight: Terence McKinney and Eric Gonzalez. Yep. Uh, I love Terrence McKinney. He's uh, he's got a personality and he's got skills. He's coming off a loss to Drew Dober, a fight that he took two weeks after scoring an impressive win, and it was a probably and it was a really bad idea to fight Drew Dober with basically no preparation because Drew, yeah. when we talked about Drew Dober, just you yeah. know just having an incredible performance just now, he Drew Dober stuff. But uh, I think McKinney bounces back, and this is a great fight for him to bounce back. Eric Gonzalez is a guy he he should beat. So, in uh, my third fight, you, you might it might pain you to hear this. It's going to be Sam Alvey against Michael Ochoa. Oh but I'm just totally oh. saying this because this is very like with a loss. This is the last time we will see Sam Alvey. If he wins, how many times have we said that? No, this is for sure. This is the last fight on his contract. If he loses, and they gave it to him, they they talked about cutting him after the last time, but they said, you know what, Sam? Even though you haven't won in your last eight fights, you've always done us so many favors. You've always been willing to fight on short notice against anybody. We're going to give you that last fight in your contract. Contract. I think if he loses, he's done for sure. And if he wins, who the hell knows? We may see him again. See him again. But this might be the last time we see him, man. And yes, his fights can be boring, boring at times. When he wins, he tends to win in an exciting fashion. He tends to have fun post-fight promos, and uh, you know maybe that'll happen this time. I, I, you know, as much as Sam Alvey can bore you in a fight, I've always liked him. I get I get frustrated watching him fight, but uh, but yeah, he it's kind of like he's kind of one of those guys where he's not a big name and. It'd be different than you know with than like how I felt after you know Cerrone is gone or Carlos Condit was gone or Benavides is gone, but it'd be sad to see Sam Alvey go. Hey, soul sister, we'll get to see <laughs> hear that one more time. One more time, one more time. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. and getting to see his hot wife. That's cool too. Um, okay, you so said for it, me. Not me. 
<laughs> I know, I know. Um, all right, so for my three uh, value picks, if, you, if you're betting, uh, I got to go with um, Myra Buena Silva in the opener. She's only a minus 140 favorite. Uh, in it, so that's you know almost even money, and she looked really really good in her last fight against Wu Yunnan, and I kind of expect her to be a bigger favorite here. Um, next one's going to be Takasha Sato, who is a plus one ninety underdog over Brian Battle, and Battle is the uh, last season's tough winner, and uh, I, I he's moving down to welterweight for this fight, and I just I I don't think he's that great of a fighter, and I think he's you know he looked. You know, he beat Trishan Gore barely, and Trishan Gore is not, you know, even uh, not even close to a UFC quality fighter. So I think Takashi Sato is going to finish battle here, and uh, and then my uh, my third value pick is going to be actually uh, Muhammad Usman uh, against Zach Paga. Again, I mentioned uh, uh, Mo- Kamaru's brother is a plus two hundred underdog, and uh, you know I think the size is going to be a is going to be a factor here. Like you mentioned, that Paga is normally at light heavyweight, and Muhammad's quite a bit bigger. He's fought a lot better competition, and uh, I think I think he's going to win, and he's going to be the uh, tough thirty heavyweight champion. So, uh, Muhammad Usman, Takasha Sato, and Myra Boyna Silva. And if you listen to my story at the beginning of the show, you probably just want to go ahead and pick the other three fighters <laughs> given my track record um all right so take us through the rest of this card you, you just had a bad week last week but your ROI has been pretty pretty decent and pretty spot on lately so yeah yeah they have and i've been actually tweeting them out like when i when i get to watch live i've been tweeting them out for the fight so if you want to get some you last know, minute bets in follow me on twitter you know what your mistake last week was you didn't have them ready for the show last week true so true so yeah that was- i did do them after the fact though and they were wrong but that's the first week uh since i started doing this that i lost money so it so, happens so it happens. so so that's a, that's your clue have it ready for the show and you'll do good yeah absolutely all right okay, so, so take uh, us through these uh card this card everything everything's going to be on ES, on big espn and also on espn plus for those who who have cut the cord but uh starts at seven eastern time uh, kicks off women's bantamweight fight Myra Bueno Silva against Stephanie Agger. Then a women's strawweight fight Miranda Granger against Corey McKenna. Then you have welterweight fight Jason Witt against Josh Quinlan, who's making his UFC debut. Lightweight fight Terrence McKinney against Eric Gonzalez. Welterweight fight Takashi Sato against Brian Battle, former tough winner. And then the featured prelim is the middleweight fight Sam Alvey against Michael Oleg Sechuk. And then main card, uh, 10 Eastern time. Six on the or seven on the west coast, nine in the best time zone. Uh, women's flyweight Central. fight kicks it off. Uh, Ariane Lipsky against Priscilla Cachoeira. I mean, <laughs> me and you are both surprised Cachoeira is still around, but she's won, I think, her last two fights. So, despite fish eye gouging and cheating and all that, she she gets to fight another, she keeps on fighting, but uh, maybe Lipsky will end that. Then you have the heavyweight fight, Augusto Sakai against Sergey Spivak. Uh, Sakai is in need of a win, but Spivak is coming off of sending Greg Hardy out of the UFC. So everybody likes Sergey Spivak. <laughs> then you have the uh, the two uh, Ultimate Fighter finals. The first one, the women's flyweight fight, Brogan Walker against Juliana Miller. Then the heavyweight, Zach Pogla, against Mohamed Usman. Then you have the welterweight co-main, Vicente Luque, against Jeff Neal. Then the light heavyweight main event, Tiago Santos against Jamal Hill. I would urge you all if uh, if you miss this show and if you hear that Juliana the Killer Miller won the championship, go and check out her post fight promo. I guarantee it's going to be worth worth watching. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of hers and I'm rooting for her. 
Uh, and you mentioned earlier that uh, that they think they maybe have a star in their hands, and we'll see. We'll see if she can win. Um, all right, so that is the UFC fight night uh, from the Apex on Saturday. I don't even. I'm going to be actually in Minneapolis uh, watching the Jays game, so I'm I'm gonna. I hope I'm gonna have time to watch this before we meet again. Um, but uh, probably maybe when I get back from the hotel, I'll at least watch the main card. Um, hey, but, you could uh, probably borrow somebody's ESPN Plus account. While oh, there you while go. You're in, while you're in America, there you go. You maybe check I'll, out ESPN uh, Plus. You. Maybe you yeah. can check out ESPN Plus and see how see how easy we have it to watch. <laughs> well, I get I'll get back to the hotel probably around ten. So um, you know, but but I'm usually up pretty late when I stay in a hotel, so I could I could throw yeah. the headphones on and watch the main the main card for sure. Main card. Um, oh yeah, you'll, and you'll have ESPN in your hotel room for sure. So. Yeah, yeah, but the family's sleeping, so I got probably have to watch on my computer. Um, yeah, but uh, I might I might message you for your ESPN Plus credentials. Uh, so yeah, I'll, uh, I'll 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 figure it out. But yeah, we're we're just going down for the weekend, and I got uh, I got tickets right behind the dugout to see the Jays playing play the Twins in Minneapolis. So I'm pretty nice, pumped up about nice, that. Nice. I I have something big going on this week. I'll tell you about off there too. So. Oh, cool, cool. All so. right. So uh, we got uh, the news, and there's not much, um, but uh, you, um, you you just uh, – Yair Rodriguez, you've been wanting to talk about this the whole show. Yeah. Well, Yair, uh, he was he was at the show on Saturday, as was Alexander Volkanovsky. I talked to Volkanovsky a little bit fri- Friday. We were sitting right next – actually right next to each other at the ceremonial weigh-ins. His, hand, his left hand still casted up from his surgery. surgery. He says it's healing good, probably be ready to go early next year. Next year is what he told told me, but uh, Yair Rodriguez said uh, he wants to wait for Volkanovski. He doesn't want to fight Josh Emmett. He wants to wait for a title Jeez. fight. But uh, that kind of what brought Dana on, saying, "Hey, you know how I feel about waiting." And he he basically said he doesn't agree with Yair wanting to wait. So so who knows what's going to happen there? Jeez. Um- and uh, all right, and then the other news. This I didn't even know. Um, you, uh, Alemale McFarlane is going to be retiring after her Bellator contract is done. Okay, so I, I, I thought you were saying after her next fight, but do you yeah. know how many fights she has left? I think it's four, but she okay. says whenever. Yeah, she kind of announced that to the, today. Uh, she said, uh, she said whenever her current Bellator contract's done, she's going to retire, and uh, that brings me up to another retirement retirement that was announced on Errol Hawani's MMA hour today guy we talked about earlier who's coaching now James Krause he officially said he's oh. done fighting so okay so he's he's going full-time into coaching he actually said he's he's now making more money gambling on UFC fights than he than he's making anywhere else even that includes <laughs> by coaching so, so these uh these these ten thousand dollar bets and these fifty thousand dollar bets, you know what? I gotta say, like you just he's watched on, he's on that gambling show with Brad Okamoto and oh. uh, and uh Nick Kalikas, I think, or yeah, Johnny yeah. the Creek, yeah, yeah, whatever. They they have that show on ESPN plus. They were they were hardcore talking about gambling on this show on Saturday, and and I haven't noticed it as much as I have this time. But like they, you know, they, you know, Daniel Cormier is making jokes about you know people dropping two million dollars on the last Nunez fight and and all this stuff, and and it just kind of hit me, you know, that I grew up in an era where you know like Jimmy the Greek got fired for mentioning the spread on a pregame show yeah. and uh you know and, and now they're you know literally talking about the the live odds during a fight and 
you know, it's it's crazy. And sports uh, betting is getting big. Did you see? Did you see on the London show Drake? Drake bet like a two million dollar parlay yep. on on Patty and Molly. <laughs> yeah, and he won. Him, it worked and, out, and it paid like you know it paid, paid better than even money. Um, yeah. You know, Molly was a huge favorite, but Patty was, you know, pretty close. I think he was like minus 190 or something like that. So, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, $2 million. And I mean, that's a good bet, you yeah. know, and if you got $2 million, that's the thing you got to remember. Like when you see these big, these big bets, like, you know, somebody, they'll, they'll flash it up on the screen. Oh, a big wager just came in, you know, $50,000. And this is what they were talking about. Like, um, I think it was Paul Felder was saying like, you know, you have these prelim fights where anything can happen and you have these judges in Texas where, you know, they could score a fight wrong and you're betting like you're betting more money than the fighters are making on these fights. Like it's, it's crazy. And then you, know, you said you got a high profile coach making more money and you got to think like with him, like knowing the fighters the way he does and knowing the tendencies and everything, like he's got a built in advantage on these, on this betting. So good for him. Um, you know, listen to his bets and not mine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was, uh, you know, pretty, uh, like, it's tough about Elaine like McFarland back to her, because I mean, you know, she could have been like a, a huge superstar and between fighting in Bellator and then, you know, like, uh, unfortunately losing, uh, you know, that big fight to Juliana Velasquez in, in 2020. And then again, you know, her last fight um it's you know it's kind of and then now she's talking about retiring like you gotta you kind of almost don't even want to watch the rest of her fights um because you know she's got one foot out the door and uh it's it's too bad because she could have been you know a really big uh really big deal and as it turns out she's just you know kind of another fighter on the regional scene um yeah yeah it's too bad um all right uh fight announcements there's there's a few here uh what are the ones some of the ones you want to highlight and you said you had a couple that weren't on the list you sent me yeah, that, that have been added since I emailed you this afternoon. But uh, here's two on the UFC 279 card on September 10th. Uh, that's headlined by Kamzad and, D- and Nate Diaz. Here's two fights I think you'll be interested in. Oh, yeah. First one, heavyweight fight. Chris Barnett against Jake Collier. Huggy Bear and, uh, against uh, uh, everyone's favorite middleweight. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the featherweight fight, Hakeem Dawadu against Juicy J, Julian Arosa. So Juicy J and Hakeem, isn't he Canadian? Yeah. Like, how am I gonna choose here? Like either one of these fights. Like I'm I I might have to just yeah. not watch. Like yeah. that's they're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we talked earlier on contender series Joe Pfeiffer, B. Joe Pfeiffer. He's already got his uh debut fight booked uh, September seventeenth against Alan Emedovsky. And uh, then on a UFC fight night, uh, October 15th, Cup Swanson moving down to Bantamweight, fighting Jonathan Martinez. That's a that's a good matchup. Uh, UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. It's got a middleweight fight, Mahmoud Muradov against Kyle Borallo. And then also just announced that it's not on the list you got, Mohamed Mokayev, the, the impressive flyweight. He's fighting Malcolm Gordon. And then uh, October 29th, UFC fight night, Big featherweight fight. Add some Barbosa against Ilya Tapuria. That should be all action. And then heavyweight fight. Marcos Rosario de Lima against Andre Arlovsky, who will be looking to tie Jim Miller <laughs> again for the uh, most wins in UFC history. So there's there's your big fight announcements. When's the Arlovsky fight? The 29th? O- October 29th. Okay. Okay. Um, the, back to the fight, Pfeiffer fight. Um, Alan Abadovsky, that's a setup fight. <laughs> like yeah. that's a fight to get him a big knockout win in his UFC debut. Yeah, I think um, I, I think I'm at Oski's like 0 and three, and I think I yeah. think whenever I'm still doing my 
columns and stuff, which I'm hope, still hoping I can start doing again soon. But uh, I think I said after that fight, yeah, Emadoski should be cut because he's not fit for the UFC. But good thing they kept him around to get Joe Pye for a big win. Yeah, so. and uh, this is a guy that they're clearly behind. Yes, um, you know, like you don't see guys coming off the contender series sitting in like the featured fighter section on a pay per view. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah and yeah. he's a he's a Philly guy with uh, trains with Sean Brady and all those all those guys in Philly, the Dawkins brothers. So so they're very clearly trying to build up something there, something there with. Was a lot he of the guy? Players. Did he tell? Did he say in his post fight promo that he caught Sean Brady with a flying triangle and then said, "No, I'm just kidding." Yeah, he said that. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, that's yeah. But he He's talked a, about he talked about Sean Brady, how Sean Brady's just an absolute killer in yeah in the gym. So yeah, so yeah. And, uh, Felder Felder's always going to put put the Philly guys over on on commentary too. So because he's from Philly and he, and he trades with those guys when he's in Philly. So. Yeah. yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be looking forward to that. And that's, uh, we don't even know where that show is yet, right? But uh, it's the, the September seventeenth, right? Yeah, the that's the Corey Sanhagen Songy Dong fight card. Yeah, might be uh, the Apex. It, it, it is at the Apex. Oh, it is. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's going to, that's pretty much going to do it. Um, so if you haven't already, uh, make sure to check out Ryan's coverage of uh, the UFC uh, from last week. I haven't got to it yet because today was a holiday here in Canada. So uh, I haven't printed off my Wrestling Observer, but I'll be reading that tomorrow. And, uh, and then you can also uh, follow Ryan's coverage of, uh, you can get, check out his UFC 277 coverage in this coming week's Observer, as well as following his live coverage of uh, the UFC Fight Night at WrestlingObserver.com. And you can follow us both on Twitter and get our thoughts on the fights as we're watching them. And uh, I, uh, I, I got uh, something to plug. I, was, uh, I did a show today uh, that I put, posted a link on Facebook and Twitter. And if you're a fan of classic rock, you might want to check it out. It's Songs by Styx and uh, Three Dog Night. And I presented them on uh, David Lovell's uh, Facebook land show, but you can access it. You know, I, I post a link on Twitter. You just click on it. And you can listen from any device. And I, I always have a lot of fun doing those and uh, some great songs by those two bands, Sticks and Three Dogs Night. So you can check that out. And then I, uh, I also co-hosted The Boom this weekend with uh, James B. McDaniel, our friend Peppermint Fatty. Uh, and that'll drop. That's probably in your feed right now, actually. So if uh, if you see my name on there, uh, it, he did a fake out. He introduced me as Kevin Ely, who's the normal host. And then I was like, James, you're losing it, buddy. It's me. And, uh, yeah, we had, we had some fun with that, but, um, yeah, so you can check that out. And then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, as well next week, we'll be back, uh, Monday. Hopefully I'll get a chance to watch, uh, this weekend's UFC. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll figure out a way, but, uh, so for Ryan, I've been Paul and Ryan, take us home. Like you always do. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Have a great week and enjoy the fights this week. Yeah. Later.